this morning, point them towards you, help them. People in the back of the seat in front of you, and it's on page 973, if you'd like to follow along, but it's uh, a short and sweet passage for us this morning um, that's, um, that we will read. Now, this is Galatians 3, starting in verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I've never spoken in a place with this much of a turn radius or whatever it's called. So bear with me. I'm also a little bit uh, under the weather, but that's going to be a better sermon, I think. So um, let's see. This morning before we begin, I want you to think about a couple words and think about what comes to mind when I say these words. The first word is spirit. What comes to mind when I say the word spirit? The next word is trust. And the last word is works. Spirit, trust, and works. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you that you call us your sons and daughters. I thank you that you see us not based on our performance, but based on your provision for us. I thank you that uh, being a little under the weather this morning, I get to experience my need for you a little more viscerally. I pray this morning that as we hear from Paul speaking to the church in Galatia, that we will realize that your word is living and active that it's sharper than any double-edged sword, that it penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, that it is your word breathed to us to give us life so that we might give life to others. I pray against distraction this morning. I pray against the enemy who prowls around seeking to destroy us. I pray for open ears, for open hearts this morning. And I pray that we would not be the same when we walk out of here as we walked in this morning, that your spirit would convict, that it would encourage, that it would empower, and that we might be on mission for you, more equipped to look for those who do not know you, our neighbors, our friends. We need your help today. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We pray all this in your name. Amen. So before I came to St. Louis, I taught special education in Virginia Beach for about four years. So with that background, I want to address a word in our text that irks me a little bit. It's the word foolish. Now, I became very sensitive to words that are demeaning, especially with the students that I worked with, because often we'd be in public and my students would be acting a little differently than, than uh, typically developing kids. And sometimes I would hear words being thrown at them. And I even know in my own past, words hurt. I've hurt people with my words, and I have 
been hurt by words. So the word foolish here, when Paul is using it, he is not using it to demean people with a lower intellect. He's not using it to shame people. Paul cares deeply about the church in Galatia. Paul, his heart goes out to the church in Galatia. He loves them like a pastor loves them. So when he's using this word, he's trying to get their attention. When he uses it twice in these three verses, he's trying to get their attention. And also, the church in Galatia prided themselves on their intellect. So Paul was also sort of poking at them, saying, you think you are so intellectual and so smart. I want you to realize that sometimes you're acting actually foolish. The Galatians knew the truth of the gospel. The Galatians knew that Christ had been crucified for their sins and had been risen again. The Galatians knew that they did not need to follow rules anymore for their justification in righteousness. Paul is trying to get their attention to remind them that they need to trust in the Spirit who had transformed them. This morning, I don't know where you are in your Christian life, if it's maybe you're, you're seeking, you're not even a believer this morning, you are wondering what this Christian life is like. Maybe you've been a Christian for decades, and this seems like old hat to you. Well, this morning, Paul wants to remind all of us of the Spirit's work in our lives because we are all tempted to trust in our own works for our justification. We're tempted to trust in our intellect, in our abilities, in our paychecks, in the letters after our name. We're tempted to trust in how good we are at things, to be okay. We're also tempted to listen to voices. The church in Galatia had many voices coming at them. There were false teachers who were creeping into the church. They may have seemed like they were normal teachers speaking about Christ and the gospel, but they were starting to twist it a little bit. They were starting to say Jesus and something else. They were starting to say, yeah, but it's still good if you eat certain foods. It's still important to be circumcised if you are, were not born a Jew. They're starting to twist the gospel a little bit. And Paul is saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes to remind this church that that is not the truth. They had experienced the gospel through faith in Christ, and Paul is reminding them of this. The good news this morning is that we must trust in the work of the Spirit because God has given us his spirit through faith. And this morning, I'm going to flesh this out in three main points if you're taking notes. The first point will be that the spirit has transformed us in the past. The second, the spirit empowers us in the present. And the third, the spirit will perfect us in the future. Look with me in verse 3. It says, <clears throat> Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? In other words, Paul is saying, do not be foolish. You were not transformed by the flesh. You were transformed by the Spirit. Remember that. And when Paul uses the phrase spirit, 
as I talked about earlier, what comes to mind? Does uh, a scary movie come to mind? Maybe Halloween comes to mind? Uh, mediums? We used to live near a place where you could pay a certain amount of money for a psychic. It would say spirits on the, um, on the marquee. But this word spirit here, Paul is talking about God, the third person of the Trinity, the one that Jesus promised would be a helper, a comforter for them. When Paul says spirit, he's wanting them to realize that this is the one who will give them power. This is the one who has transformed them. Even though the false teachers were tempting them to forget this fact, the false teachers wanted them to think that it was their own works that would be transforming their lives. And Paul is reminding them that it's the work of the Spirit that had transformed them. God had given them the Spirit, and he has given us the Spirit, and the Spirit transforms our lives. Picture this scene. It's late at night. It's pitch black. There's a knock at the front door. The man opens the door. In front of him looks like a recently released convict. His clothes are tattered. He still has his number on his chest. The man of the house lets him in, feeds him a meal, extends hospitality to him. Never met him before. The man scarfs down this meal because he hadn't had a meal like this in, in years since being in prison. The man doesn't say much because he's eating so fast. The man, for the first time in years, takes a shower by himself, gets cleaned up, gets a new set of clothes from this hospitable host. Now, the man gets a bed to sleep in. He's very excited. He hasn't felt this way in years. But instead of embracing the hospitality, while the family is asleep, he decides to steal some things and run away. The next morning, there's a knock at the door again. This time it's the man returning with the authorities. Now obviously this man will go back to prison for many years after stealing, once again for being a recently released convict. But instead, the man of the house says, no, these things were a gift to him. I gave this to him. The man is shocked. He knows he stole these items. This might sound familiar. It's a story from a, a, a movie and a play called Les Mis. And Jean Valjean is this convict who received this amazing grace from the priest in the story. And the rest of the play, we see Jean Valjean's life transformed by this experience of grace. Paul is reminding the Galatians of a similar story of grace and redemption. It is difficult to believe if you know yourself like I do, when you know what you have done, the sins you have committed, the people that you have hurt. When you look inward and think about the kind of sinner that you have been, and you realize that that is nailed to the cross. You realize that our sins are as far as the east is from the west. That's how far as you move them from us. When you realize this, it becomes unbelievable. Unbelievable that 
we can experience this kind of grace. And when we do realize this, our lives can truly be transformed. The message of hope is that our works will never be enough. On our greatest day, in our worst day, God is not measuring out our works against us anymore. I grew up in a pretty high-performing household, so I'm prone to having very self-justifying voices in my head. I think that, you know what, I'm a pretty good person. I understand why people like me. Uh, there's a good amount going for me. I achieved pretty highly in almost everything I put my hands to growing up. I think I've never done the huge sins. Maybe you're like me, and it's hard for you to, to, to think that you are actually a sinner. You think that I can work hard enough, I can perform well enough to earn this salvation. On the other hand, maybe you hear condemning voices. Maybe you had parents who spoke down at you, who cursed at you, who told you you'll never be enough, you'll never amount to anything. Maybe teachers and coaches who, who said, you're stupid, you can never become anything important. And to this day, you still hear those voices when you wake up in the morning. Whether you hear self-justifying voices, condemning voices, this morning, the message of the gospel is that the Spirit transforms us, not our works, on our best days or our worst days. We have been given the Spirit through faith, and the Spirit transforms us. We must trust in the work of the Spirit not only because we have been transformed in the past, but also because we are empowered in the present. Look with me in verse 2. It says, Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? The church in Galatia had received the Spirit after hearing and responding to the gospel not following the rules of the Torah. And Paul is reminding them of what they already know in this verse. They heard the gospel, responded by faith, but what are their lives going to look like now? The Spirit empowers them now, every day. Not their own strength or resolve. And this can be our story also. If you are one who knows Christ this morning. You can be empowered each day that you wake up, recognizing that it is God who gives you breath, who can empower you for the day's tasks ahead. There's a, a little game every fall, uh, I'm sorry, every uh, February called the Super Bowl. You might have heard about it. And uh, a couple years ago, there was a commercial, and it starred a miniature Darth Vader. So picture a little Darth Vader walking around his house, and uh, he's dressed in the hat and the all-black gear, and the music in the background is dun 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 you know that song. I won't have you sing it with me, but that actually might be better But next time. Um, so Darth Vader is walking around the house, and he keeps stretching out his hands at different items in his house. So first, he stretches it out at his sister's doll. It doesn't move. He walks around the next part of the house, he stretches his hands out at a toaster. Nothing happens. 
he goes to the laundry room, he stretches his hands out at the washer, it doesn't turn on. Now he goes back to the kitchen, stretches his hands out at the fridge, it doesn't open, nothing happens. So now he goes to his uh, kitchen table, he puts his hand on his chin, he's really sad. He doesn't have any power. He thought the suit was going to bring power, but it didn't bring any power. So next thing you know, that his dad pulls into the driveway with a new car. He runs outside. He runs past his dad, who's looking for a hug. Runs right past him. His dad goes inside. Little Darth Vader points at, at the new car. Nothing happens. He stays there a little longer. He's still pointing at the car. All of a sudden, vroom, the car starts. And he's shocked. And the camera pans to the kitchen where his father had just pressed the start engine button. The power had come from his father. And Paul is telling the Galatians, reminding them of our similar story and their story of power transfer. The power does not come from us. The power comes from the Spirit. Maybe this morning you feel like you do not need to be empowered. Maybe your life is going well. You have obedient kids. Um, you have your, your paychecks come in and you know what to do with it right away. Your, your marriage go, is going great. You don't struggle with any kinds of sin. If that is you, I want to meet you at the end of the service so we can talk. Maybe, though, you're on the other end of the spectrum. You feel like the Spirit has left the building in your life. Sometimes you don't even want to get out of bed. When you think about the struggles each day, they're too much for you to bear. Maybe there are experiences in your relationships that are so hurtful, so painful, that you really don't know if you can go on. I know there have been times like that in my life when sometimes I did not want to get out of bed. Sometimes I did not get out of bed. Sometimes I would, the tears was all I could do was to let the tears fall down my cheeks and call out for help. This morning, we can trust. And Paul reminds us that whether you are feeling self-sufficient this morning, whether you are feeling depressed, or needy, whether you're feeling exhausted, like you have nothing left, the Spirit can empower you today. The Spirit can empower us. We can trust the work of the Spirit in our lives when we feel like there's no way out, when we feel like there's nothing left in our tanks. The Spirit can empower us to take the next steps, to know when to speak, when to listen, to know what to say in our relationships when they seem like they're only going down. We can trust the work of the Spirit. When we're tempted with pride, the Spirit can bring humility. When we're tempted to find security in our actions, the Spirit can bring discernment. When we are sick, the Spirit can bring healing and courage to live that day anyway. The Spirit will humble us when we are prideful, and He will encourage those who are downtrodden. We must trust in the work of the Spirit, not only because we've been transformed in the past, 
and empowered in the present, but because we can look to the future and the Spirit will perfect us. Pastor Dan talked about how we, um, I'm sorry, I think it was actually uh, John Peter spoke about how we are looking for the world to be renewed. And we look around at the news, the deaths, the people who are, who are be killing each other, the, um, the abuse victims that we keep learning about. It seems like every week there's, there's new stories that come out. Our world is a dark place. It makes sense some of my friends do not want to bring children into this world because of how dark of a place it seems. But we can trust that this is not the end of the story. Look with me in verse 3 again. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Here, Paul uses begun and perfected as opposite sides of the story. When he says begun, he's speaking of their beginning life as believers. And when Paul says perfected, he is explaining their completion, the end of their life as Christians. Philippians 1.6 uses similar language, and it says, I am sure that the one who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul is reminding them that God wrote the beginning of their stories, and it will be God who finds it, who brings it to completion, not their works. And here, when he uses the word flesh, in our context, it's hard to find the meaning behind that. But Paul is actually, um, when Paul used the word flesh, he would have, uh, they would have had different images come to mind besides cuts of meat that we might have to come to mind when you word the word flesh. When they hear the word flesh, these uh, readers of Galatia will be thinking of circumcision and the laws of circumcision. And here Paul is sort of almost poking fun at the idea that cutting this flesh can actually achieve salvation and perfection. Paul is thankful this is not the case anymore, that God is the author and perfecter of their faith. Today, you might be coming to church very discouraged. You may be coming alone. You may have had an argument with a spouse or a child before this morning. You may have loved ones who do not treat you well. Or you may be the one who mistreats others, and you don't know why. You continue to spout hateful words out of your mouth. You're working on sins every day, but they continue to haunt you. You feel like you're still in chains after years and years of working on the same sin, the same struggle. You're exhausted. There seems to be no hope. You're worried about your future. You're worried about the future of your children, your grandchildren. You desire children, and they're still not coming. You desire a family, and you still don't have one. You're wondering, will it ever be different? Will it ever change? Will there ever be some relief from this feeling? Thankfully, this morning, I can tell you, yes, there will be relief. 
Yes, there will be a change. Yes, there will be a day when there is no more crying, when there's no more weeping, when the struggle will be gone, when Christ will recreate this messy world where the relationship between us and God will once again come together. The relationship between us and each other will once again come together. It'll no longer be shattered and broken. It'll no longer be us hurting each other, needing to ask for forgiveness over and over again. It'll no longer be us needing to even be empowered like this. We'll be living in union truly with Christ when he returns. I'm going to read a poem as I conclude this morning. It's by a, a poet named Allison Stormwolf, and I contacted her a few months ago um, because I liked her poems a lot, and I wanted to use some of them in my sermons. And she said that uh, she would be glad about that. And um, this, song, this uh, poem is called My New Dawn, and it talks about the story of the Spirit in our transformation. It says, Done, done, done is the day. Put with my treasures safely away. Gone, gone, gone is my past. Buried in deep earth, buried at last. Give me a new song, one with great joy. Give me a new heart that none can destroy. <coughs> Wake me with gladness, rock me with love. Shelter me always. Beautiful dove, spirit of new birth, spirit of power, come Holy Spirit, enter this hour. In our text today, Paul is speaking to us and reminding us that we do not need to trust in our works. It will never be enough. We cannot trust and believe that God loves us a little bit more when we sin a little bit less. It's not true that our salvation, our justification, is more secure when we do a checklist of things we've done right and wrong each day. The Holy Spirit has transformed our lives in the past, empowers us each day, and we can have hope that in the future we will be perfected one day. And we can take this hope with us as we leave here today, this week, when we see those around us whose lives have not yet been transformed, who are still living with chains of sin and shame. We can take this hope with us on mission and love those who are hard to love and stay in situations and conversations that we want to escape from. We can trust the work of the Spirit as we are on mission for God in our communities. Pray with me this morning. Father, these may be uh, very heavy words for us to hear. Words about our sin. Words about ways that we hurt others. Words about ways that we have been hurt. But this morning I pray that we would truly trust believe and live like those who have been transformed, whose lives 
are no longer dead in sin, but we are alive in Christ. I pray that we would recognize that we need to ask each day for sustenance, to be empowered, to face the challenges of the day, to be your ambassadors, and give us hope as we look towards the future, when one day every knee and tongue will bow and confess that you are Lord. Help us to be beacons of light in this dark world. And we trust that you are able. In your name we pray. Amen. As we continue in our worship, we have the opportunity to come to the table this morning. It was, it's a good reminder for us that it is the work of the Holy Spirit.